0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Stephen King cast, one man's musings on the works of Stephen King. Once, I reviewed each of his works in the chronological order of publication, but Ka is a wheel, it all goes round again, and here I am once more back at the beginning on a new phase of the journey to examine each of the endings of the works of Stephen King to determine whether or not King deserves his reputation for having an inability to successfully land his endings. The focus of the podcast will be to examine the climax, the falling action, and resolution of the endings to each of his novels and break it down by character themes, conflict, and plot to determine whether or not it meets the criteria of being an objectively good ending. I'm also going to weigh in on whether or not I happen to personally like the ending. Uh, Before we begin, I'm going to read a couple iTunes reviews that came in over the last couple days. Um, up first, I have Rush Note, who writes one of my favorite casts, five stars. This is easily one of my favorite podcasts among all of the podcasts I listen to, not just uh, not just Stephen King casts. The, the host is enthusiastic, enthusiastic, knowledgeable, and seems like a genuinely nice guy, even if I don't agree with his take on Storm of the Century, LOL. Seeing the notification that a new episode has been released always puts a smile on my face. One word of warning, though, his quote-unquote reviews are not reviews in the typical sense but include a pretty detailed synopsis. So if you haven't read a particular book and don't want to be spoiled, avoid that episode until you've finished the book. Anyway, if, you a, if you're a constant reader, you'll love this fun and insightful podcast. So Rush Knoll, thank you so much for writing in. Um, and then we have Kelvin K. Jones who writes... The best podcast to go on your, I don't know what the rest of it says. Um, but he gives me five stars, which I appreciate. I've been an avid listener of the podcast over the last three years. It's a great place to get a different perspective of another content member, such as the host. Long days and pleasant nights. So thank you so much, guys, for writing in. I really appreciate it. I can't do it without you. Um, so if you have any spare time on your hands, please write in um, and, and leave a review on iTunes. It really, really helps me out. So any time that you spend, I, I really appreciate it. Okay, so um, I have one listener email that I uh, will read before getting into my review of the ending of Eyes of the Dragon, which as longtime listeners know, it's my favorite Stephen King book. Uh, no, it's not. Um, I do not like Eyes of the Dragon. Um, admittedly, I'm going to say it up front right now. It's not for me. I know that it has a lot of fans out there, but this is a uh, one particular book that I have just, you know, I was going, I was going to say that I've tried to get into. I, I don't even know if I've given the the book the benefit of the doubt in that regard. I, I read it back in the day. I thought it was light. I thought it was thin. It didn't. I didn't love it, and then I later, you know, reread it for the purposes of the podcast, and I more actively disliked it um, than kind of just not being into it the way that I was the first time around. But I am interested to to get into the ending and really start to to parse out the ending and see um, whether or not it, it lives up to the questions that I'll pose to it. Um, so this is this is always interesting when you hit something that you just personally don't like. And you're forced to look at it objectively to see whether or not your subjectivity is overruled by objectivity or if the objectivity overrules the subjectivity. And that's what we have found this week for um, Eyes of the Dragon. So I look forward to getting into that. But before I get any further, I'm going to read um, a listener email. Dear Stephen Kingcast, Greetings from the UK. After coming across your podcast a few years ago, you have kept me entertained for hours, be it at home or on the drive, to and from work, and I want to say a huge thank you for all the time and hard work that you put in on what I believe is one of the best podcasts out there dedicated to Stephen King. At the moment, I'm working my way through all of his books, not in the chronological order, but in the order of my choosing. I'm over halfway there, and once I have reached my goal, I will then start again, but this time in order of publication, and when I finish a book, the first thing I look forward to is listening to your podcast and hearing your thoughts on the book I've just completed. My favorite book is it. I remember my parents letting me watch the 1990 miniseries with them when I was just seven, and Pennywise scared the hell out of me, but looking back now, it's with fond memories as my mother recently passed away, so I thank her for getting me hooked into Stephen King. I also have The Stand, 112263, The Dead Zone, and The Dark Tower series in my top five. I think I've been meaning to write in for a while, and I've finally done it, so I will end this email by saying again a huge thank you to all your time, effort, and hard work with this fantastic podcast. Stay safe during these difficult times. Many thanks, Aaron Jones. Aaron, thank you for writing in. Um, and I, I had written to, to, to Aaron, um, but I, I still wanted to take the opportunity to, to offer my condolences. I'm, I'm very sorry um, for your loss. Okay, guys, if you have any time on your hands, please write into to Stephen Kingcast at yahoo.com. Um, I can't do without you, and I love this back and forth, and I love the dialogue, and I love the opportunity to be able to share um, your Stephen King stories and your relationship with Stephen King and your thoughts on Stephen King stories um, and the, the endings of anything that I've covered so far, the ending to Eyes of the Dragon or anything coming up. Um, my last episode that I just reviewed was uh, the full analysis of if it bleeds, well, I shouldn't say analysis. Um, it wasn't as, as detailed as, um, as my analysis had analyses had been during the, the first stretch of the podcast, the first 200 episodes or so. Um, this was more of a, um, just a generalized review with my, uh, last subjectivity. Um, but if you have any thoughts on If It Bleeds, The Outside, or anything, just write into Stephen Kingcast at yahoo.com. Okay, guys, so what I'm going to do now, I'm going to read the Wikipedia summary for Eyes of the Dragon so that I have a basis upon which we can discuss the conclusion to determine again whether or not the ending um, is quote-unquote good. Taking place in the medieval-inspired fantasy world, American author Stephen King's fantasy novel The Eyes of the Dragon tells the story of Flagg a devious magician who plots to destroy the Kingdom of Delane and its fair minded ruler, King Roland. While a standalone book, The Eyes of the Dragon, contains locations and characters mentioned in other King works, including the Stan and the Dark Tower series. When the novel begins, King Roland the Good rules the Kingdom of Delane. The magical the magician Flag, his royal advisor, served in this position for many years before Roland's ascent. Flag served under Roland's mother, Queen Leda, who always held a measure of distrust against him. Her suspicions were not unfounded, Flagg has long been plotting to destroy the kingdom of Delane from his position as chief advisor. Although Roland largely trusts him, his faith begins to waver after Roland marries Sasha, believing Sasha is an innocent and unassuming noble girl who poses little threat to his plans to bring ruin to Delane. Flagg encourages Roland to marry her. Contrary to Flagg's hopes, however, Sasha is a naturally strong, independent, and intelligent woman whose love for Roland is genuine. As Roland grows closer to her, she successfully influences her husband's opinion of Flag, leading him to finally see the truth about Flag's veiled treachery. Unhappy about no longer being Roland's most trusted advisor, Flag resolves to do away with Queen Sasha. A few years after giving birth to Roland's first son and heir, Peter, Sasha is now pregnant with a second child. Flag pays a midwife to mortally wound Sasha during childbirth, but not before delivering Roland's second son, Thomas. Flag breathes a sigh of relief, as everybody in the kingdom, including Roland, concludes that Sasha died a natural death death during childbirth which was tragically not uncommon during the medieval era as peter and thomas come of age it becomes clear which one is favored among the two peter is tall and graceful like his mother while thomas is shorter and stockier like his father while thomas is a good archer and hunter like his dragon slaying father peter the rightful heir to the throne and more naturally charismatic of the two is treated much more kindly by the royal court and citizenry Flag sees this development as an opportunity to poison Thomas against his father. Whenever Thomas is feeling uh, depressing about being the less popular child, Flag swoops in to nurture the boy's bitterness, allowing it to fester until it becomes almost an obsession. Flag also reveals that by looking through the eye holes of the skull of the dragon Roland once killed, Thomas can spy on his father in his private quarters. Successfully endearing himself to Thomas, Flag unleashes his plan to regain power over the throne of Delane. First, he kills Roland with a batch of magically enhanced poisonous sand that causes the king's insides to boil. After dispatching Roland, Flag leaves a few grains of the poisoned sand in Peter's room, so the authorities believe him to be the murderer. The royal guard quickly sentences Peter to be locked away in an aerial dungeon known as the Needle. Meanwhile, Thomas is all too happy to ascend to the throne with Flag as his most trusted right-hand man. Because Thomas is only 12 years old, Flag is considered the de facto ruler of the lane. Almost immediately, Peter hatches a plan for his escape. He appeals to Judge Anders Pena to grant him two seemingly innocuous requests for the guards to deliver him napkins with every meal and to have his mother's intricate dollhouse brought to him in his cell. After the judge agrees, Peter sets to work creating a long rope using threads from the napkins and the miniature loom in his mother's dollhouse. It takes him five years, but finally, Peter has a rope long enough to descend the tower safely. Meanwhile, in Peter's absence, a large support group of allies has formed around the belief that Peter was innocent all along. Peter and his supporters confront Flag in Roland's old sitting room, the site of King's murder, but Flag is too powerful for them to defeat. Just when Flag is about to vanquish Peter, however, Thomas enters the room shooting Flag with a flaming arrow. Using magic, Flag vanishes before the arrow can make contact. Thomas tearfully admits that he witnessed his father's murder at the hands of Flag, ironically, though, through the though the very eyes of the dragon revealed to him by Flag, Despite saving his brother's life, thus atoning for his past sins, Thomas becomes even more of a pariah in his kingdom than ever before. With nothing left to keep him in Delaine, Thomas sets out to find Flag. The book ends the moment Thomas finds his old advisor, but the reader never learns what happens next. Okay, Uh, so with the Wikipedia summary out of the way, let's talk about the actual ending of The Eyes of the Dragon. So, in order to really determine whether or not it is a objectively, quote-unquote, good ending to this story, we are going to break apart the climax, the falling action, and the resolution. So, really, it's everything onward from Flag murdering Roland framing Peter and manipulating Thomas into taking the throne. So that would be the climax, the following action being Peter escaping the needle while Flag attempts to execute him, and the resolution, the heroes confront Flag, defeat him, Peter takes the throne, and Thomas and Dennis pursue the man in black. Okay, so I have, as I said earlier, long been on record stating that this is not um, one of my preferred Stephen King novels. Um, I, I understand that it is designed um, to... To be stylistically different from what has come before and what will come later in the in the King Uvra, um, it is uh, a, a love letter uh, to this style of uh, sword and sorcery fairy tale fantasy, and it's written for um, his children, and Peter Straub's children. Um, so I understand all of that, um, but I I just. Uh, For all of my thoughts on Eyes of the Dragon, head on back to the the Eyes of the Dragon episode. Um, So I have struggled with being able to actually like this story, which is why I was very interested in being able to examine the conclusion to this story. So here are the questions that I'm going to ask the Eyes of the Dragon and then hold what occurs within the the conclusion of the story against these questions. To see whether or not um, despite my um, lack of enthusiasm towards the text whether or not um, you know it, it lands successfully does it provide does it provide an appropriate conclusion to its characters that are consistent with the characters actions conflicts or themes of the book uh yeah i'd say i, I mean the, the the heroes are heroic the misunderstood are redeemed the villains are vanquished and the kingdom of Delane lives happily ever after. Um, in terms of the characters who are, you know, fully designed um, for what they're supposed to be, they are consistent with what has come before and they play their parts and Thomas mm-hmm. is able to have his his conclusion. Um, Peter is able to escape. Flag is revealed to be the cowardly creature that he is. Um, so yeah, I would say that it's um, the conclusion to the characters are consistent with their actions, conflicts, and the themes of the book leading up to it. Does it successfully wrap up the plot, specifically to the events build upon one another with consistency? Yes, I would say. Dollhouses and all. Um, and I know that I'm, I'm not I'm giving enough credit to the the Dollhouse subplot. It is actually, at first, a uh, a... A very well executed mystery as to why Peter would want the dollhouse and then the the suspense of him being able to hide it um, within the needle um, and the time that it takes for him to do it is is well done Um, and to see the the end of that plot actualized um, is it it is I know that I have been facetious and I have cut down this story but um, the the execution of the conclusion to this plot is is really well done Um, and as I'll, I'll get into, uh, you know, flag finding out about it, flag trying to come up the stairs, trying to end this before it ends for him, as everything converges towards the needle, is, um, it's a master storyteller. I would say from a plot perspective, yeah, it successfully wraps up the plot. Um, Does the conclusion serve the theme, the symbolisms, and the motifs? Yes, it fits with the young adult classic fantasy genre that King is playing with here. It feels very in line. It's appropriate and consistent to what he is trying to do. Um, And then the the next question is, what is the most famous scene in the novel, and does it appear in the conclusion of the story? Um, Which is not grounds for an automatic... um, I should say that it's not a detriment if the most famous scene does not take place in uh, the conclusion, but I don't think that it hurts. It's just a, just a question that I like to ask. And I would say that, yes, in this case, I, I would say that um, the scene in which Peter attempts to escape from the needle while Flagg rushes to murder him, you know, taking two steps at a time, taking three steps at a time, taking 10 steps at a time that it, it's, it's really, really well done and, and it really ratchets up the, the tension. And I think that that is the, the most famous scene in the novel. And are there any other factors that we need to consider? Um, there is. I need to be uh, you know, very honest and straightforward here. Um, I need to be on the record, again, saying that this novel just doesn't do it for me, um, and that as objective as I try to be with these things, um, sometimes you can't take the, the person out of the, the reviewer or the, the critic. Um, for whatever reason it just there's a blockage there and i really appreciate all the emails throughout the years um not coming at me but just challenging my my thoughts and trying to push me um into being more lenient on this book and trying to have me see it through other another perspective and maybe it will come in time um but you know even through my i didn't, I didn't do a reread uh, this time for the the conclusion but i skimmed through it again um, and it, it, it just, again, it, it just doesn't do it for me, and, I, and that's okay. So with all that said, do I like the ending? Okay, so here's the subjective question. As I stated, I don't really like the book. I think that it's thin, I think that's tropey, and I understand that that's all of King's point. It just can't win me over. Um, however, with that said, the ending is satisfactory. As I said when I was answering these questions, the construction is thrilling. Um, and watching Flag take the stairs and wondering how it's all going to play out, King does a good job with it. I think that the conclusion to this story is the best part of the novel, and the escape from the tower is genuinely thrilling. Flag completely becomes his unhinged self and is sort of a wild card in all of it. Um, so, yeah, I when I think of what I do like about Eyes of the Dragon, I like the ending. Um, and based on all of the questions that I had asked, I can't say that it's not a good ending. It's a book that I tend not to gravitate towards. I don't like it that much, but I both like the ending, and I think that as a, as uh, the, the capper to what had come before, it is a good ending. So... The tally thus far is um, I happen to like 12 out of 12 endings of what um, King has published up until this point, and I would argue that 11 of the 12 endings are good. Christine being the the outlier there. Okay, guys. So I uh, heading into my thoughts on Eyes of the Dragon, I didn't know how I was gonna, you know, come down on it. Um, i kind of surprised myself by being so complimentary. Um, and, but I can't argue with it. I think that it's objectively a good ending as well. So uh, it's kind of a shorter episode. It's under a half an hour. Um, I may release another episode this week as well. Um, and looking at my notes, I believe that the next episode would be my thoughts, the conclusion of it. Now, if that's the case, I actually might re- re-release my episodes on it um, because I think that's a good... Uh, a good basis to to sort of have us talk about the conclusion of it uh stay tuned for those those will be coming at you hopefully uh very quickly if you haven't read uh if it bleeds make sure that you get your hands on a copy because it's um so enjoyable i really had a good time with it and you can listen to my review of of if it bleeds um and then if you haven't uh um gone on to iTunes and left a review, please do so. Like I said, it would would really, really help me out, and as always, write into stephenkingcast at yahoo.com, and you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. Okay, everyone, that's all I got for right now, Um, and may you have long days and pleasant nights, and I will see you here next week, where M-O-O-N spells Stephen Kingcast.